chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. There's a Bible there in front of you, and also it will be on the screen as well. I did want to mention, uh, Pastor Mason asked me just to say, that there will be a youth activity this Friday at Silver Falls State Park. We'll be leaving at 9 a.m. from the church. It's not too late to sign up if you've not signed up yet for teenagers. Uh, you'll need to bring a lunch and as many snacks as you want to take while we hike. Then we'll be going to um, out for ice cream on the way back at Handel's Ice Cream Store. And then also, just a reminder, it's not too late to sign up for a youth conference also, July 14th and 15th, or I'm sorry, 15th and 16th for Grandview. You can do either that or camp and any information out at the Grand Lobby desk. As soon as the service is over, you can speak to my wife or myself. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll be looking at verse 32 through 37. We'll all stand, those who are able at this time. I will read as you follow along, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And verses 32 through 37. The Bible says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, thy Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear... He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to have to come to church and uh, hear your word preached. I pray you just use uh, Pastor Mason as he preaches. Uh, prepare our hearts. Help it to apply it to our lives. And thank you for loving us. In your name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, amen. Thank you. And thank you again for being here. We're going to jump right in and I do have, and forgive me, I know we've, we've taken time and considerable time to uh, uh, observe the Lord's Supper. I don't ever want to apologize for that because if we're not for that, we wouldn't be here. And so, but I, I do want to mention a couple things to you just very, very quickly. Uh, today, of course, was Promotion Sunday uh, for our young people, and uh, they should have gone to their new classes if they did not uh, make sure that they... Uh, are able to do that next week, and that's a good opportunity. But then also with that, uh, we're making a little bit of an adjustment in regards to our uh, children's church uh, programs. And so junior church, since our junior high technically starts going into sixth through eighth grade, uh, those that are going into sixth grade will not be in the junior church. They'll be here in the auditorium. So help us with that, if you will, uh, next week. And then also uh, tonight we have uh, summer fellowship with uh, ice cream and watermelon after the service tonight. I think the guys are also playing basketball in here afterwards. But uh, we're privileged to have a missionary. He's been a missionary to China for more than 20 years. And he has an interesting story. He act, you know, you can't get into China with, by saying, I want to preach the gospel. Uh, he actually has a business visa that he renews every year and has been doing that for more than 20 years. So he'll have some things that he sells, but it's the only way he can keep coming in and out of the country. 
And so I think, uh, I think he sells pearls from China is one of the items that he sells. But uh, uh, that's how he gives the gospel is by being able to uh, sell items. Um, then next Sunday, we have uh, Pensacola Christian College. Their tour group will be here for the morning service and meet with us at 930, all in here for the connection group time. And then also, uh, they'll be singing some songs during our morning service. Then our midweek service, July 4th, is on Thursday, but because of it being on the 4th, we're moving it to July 3rd. And then it's that time of year where we collect uh, cases of water and snacks for our first responders. And uh, this year, we, we also, as we've done the last couple of years, we have a booth set up at the Robin Hood Festival where we give away information about our church, but then also free water. So we're asking for 85 cases of water. Um, now, it doesn't have to be one person, thankfully. But if all of us give, you know, what you're able to, two or three cases of water, whatever the Lord impresses upon your heart, we'll have more than enough. And then for our first responders, we take snacks and drinks like uh, Gatorades, Powerades, those kind of things. But everything needs to be individually wrapped. And it, uh, it needs to be uh, purchased rather than uh, something we've made typically. Um, so if you can help with that, we take those to the station house the week of July 13th. And we've been doing that for uh, uh, Sherwood uh, and to Alton Valley for the last several years. And so if you can help with those items, you've got about three weeks uh, to do that. And so please help with that. And then uh, finally, uh, if you're in our connection group, my wife and I, as many of you know, we've just moved uh, into a home in Newburgh. And next Saturday, those of you in our connection group, my wife is having a taco bar at 3 p.m., uh, you won't hear me say the word bar at our house very often, but boy, you guys are a tough crowd this morning, um, but we will be having what, three o'clock, and if you're planning to come, we'd love to have you and bring your families, but please make sure you let me or my wife know, and uh, uh, depending on who you are, we'll give you the address. Um, okay, you are there this morning. I just I wasn't, wasn't sure, but uh, you're there, and so anyway, all good. I, I can't imagine uh, what this scene must have been like for, for David with Goliath, but uh, we know that there was one giant that day, but it probably was not the worst one that David ever faced. There were probably others. And for most of us, it's not a literal physical giant that we face. Goliath stood nine feet, six inches tall, just under 10 feet. Can you imagine him when the NBA draft came along? It was last week. I guarantee you there would have been some takers for Goliath of Gath, uh, from wherever, um, and he, I can imagine he would have had everybody trying to sign him, and his shoe deal would have been off the charts, uh, sandals, whatever it was. You guys really are tough this morning. But so here is Goliath, and he's facing David, and David steps out, and he, of course, you know the story. He comes and he said, I, I've, I've bested a lion, I've bested a bear, and never was my plan or intention to do that, but God brought those things really for this day. And I think so many times in our life, we always have to remember that what's happening to you today is not about today. It rarely ever is. Today is rarely ever the seminal, pivotal moment in your life. It's prep for something else, and sometimes prep for someone else. Because today we're all gleaning from David, and that event happened thousands of years ago. Job is an event that happened, the old, in fact, Job is considered by most to be the oldest book in the Bible. 
And that event that happened thousands of years ago is still giving us strength yet today. And so here we have this question, and we, we started this on a Thursday night three weeks ago, but we've we felt uh, led to bring it in on Sunday morning. And so I'm going to jump right in uh, because I really want to try to keep us on time. I shared with someone recently, my wife and I were at her church on vacation, and the pastor preached for 17 minutes. And then someone said to me, you can do it. And I don't know if that was my encouragement, but uh, hey, we'll, we'll give it our, our shot this morning to follow the Lord and, uh, and bring something that I think would be a help to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, would you guide and direct, bless, guide and direct our words and thoughts and help us, we pray. We desperately need it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I think that so many face, and this is all we covered on Thursday night three weeks ago, and that is the giant of simulated spirituality. And that is, most of us fake it till we make it. Someone said to me not long ago, they said, you know, they said, I'm not a very good Christian. And they said the disappointing thing to them is they don't really care to be. I admire them for their honesty. But I found in them probably a sentiment that reigns true with so many people. I'm grateful for salvation. I'm beyond grateful for the sacrifice that we depicted this morning of Jesus Christ, His body and His blood. But most people are content for heaven. They're very glad. They realize they got no shot without it. Thankful that God would save them. But beyond that, they're good. I want God in my life, but I like the discretionary part of God. I, I like the fact that I can have just a little bit of God and not have to get too deeply committed. I like the fact that I could just kind of slide in and slide out and not have to be engaged spiritually. And so typically we find in the average church, and I'm not citing anybody, I, I know that I've been there with this giant before. I know that this giant has popped up in my life before, and that is simulated spirituality. Because most of us here today, we know enough Bible, we know enough songs, we, we know enough to fit in and blend and mesh right in and act the part and give the right handshake and look people in the eye like everything is okay, but in our heart we're drifting from God. Sometimes becoming even very distant and cold and callous from Him. One of the greatest giants in Christianity today is simulated spirituality. Paul would write to Timothy, the young man who would take over in many respects, and as Paul wrote his last letters, and he would, he would tell him, he said, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Henceforth is laid up to me, for me a crown of righteousness, not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. But as all of that is happening, there's a young man named Timothy, and one of the things that Paul says to him, he says, I know you, and I know that your faith is unfeigned. It's not phony. It's not fake. It's just real. Let me ask you this this morning. You ever get the disappointment well up inside you where you say, I just want to be real. I just want my faith to be legit. I don't want, to, I don't want it to be show. I just don't want to put on, and I'm not talking about your faith in Christ. That's nothing you can fake. You must be born again. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that heaven's your home. The Word of God said, these things have I written unto you that ye may know that you have eternal life. Not that you hope, not that you wonder, not that you guess, but
But you know, you got to have that settled. That's square one, and if that's not right, nothing else matters. But beyond that, once you've taken that step, and you indeed have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, have you ever thought, you know, man, I, I, I'm glad to be saved, and I'm so grateful beyond words to be born again, knowing that I have that hope and promise of heaven. But I, but I live such a duplicitous life. I live in such a way that it's all simulated spirituality. There's really nothing real to it. Paul said to Timothy, I'm thankful that what you have is legit. The giant of simulated spirituality. Then secondly, the giant of suitable situations. I think we all find ourselves here from time to time. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus, chapter number 23, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. If I could paraphrase that in so many words, it means quit bowing to the whims of popular opinion and that which is culturally relevant. Because if we're not careful, suitable situations are directly opposed to biblical Christianity. It's not suitable to take a stand for Christ. It is not suitable, nor will it ever be convenient, to read your Bible. It is not suitable, nor will it ever be common and customary to pray in public. In fact, our, our, uh, our culture is running as fast from it as they can, particularly on the left coast where we live. We have taken separation of church and state which is not necessarily even espoused in our Constitution, but it has become the rallying cry of those who don't want you to have anything to do with God. They don't even like it when you do. I was so grateful for the war memorial that has stood in, I think it's Maryland, for more than 100 years in the Supreme Court by a 7-2 to decision, said it could stay. But people said because it bore the emblem of a cross, it was directly tied, and so the ACLU, what an oxymoron that is, the ACLU fought and said, you know, hey, we got to take that down because it reminds us of Christianity. But by the way, if it doesn't exist, and, and, and Jesus Christ was a fraud, and the Bible's not true, and God doesn't exist, I don't even know why the cross bothers them anyway. I mean, just let us weirdos believe in what we want to believe. Let us lean on that big crutch we're carrying around in life, and don't let it bother you. But it becomes a big deal to them. And so the culture is saying, get away from that stuff. When I went to school a long time ago, 40 years ago, I was in a high school classroom where my English teacher every morning read from the Bible. In America every day. When I was in junior high, there was an evangelist who came to a Baptist church in town, and everybody loaded up on the public school buses and went to the church to hear him give a rally. That never happened today. What's happened? We like suitable solutions. We like, we like our faith to not be challenged. We like to not be bothered. We like to not be hindered in any way. The Bible reminds us, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. 
But many times we worry so much about, well, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Have you ever sat in a restaurant, knew you should pray, but hoped no one saw you? It's the fear of man. Have you ever wondered what anyone would say if they saw you carrying a Bible? If they saw you handing a gospel tract? Our faith and our culture today has become so watered down. I'm not saying we're not genuinely born again or saved. You're missing the point. I'm saying we typically have suffered little for the cause of Christ. And the Bible reminds us, in fact, it challenges us almost like a firebrand. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It makes me wonder sometimes, am I truly living godly? Because God said, if you are, you shall go through difficulty. We realize in many places in the world, people are suffering. People are going through unspeakable things. It's not brought to the forefront. People don't talk much about it. But each and every day in our world today, Christians are being murdered for their faith. According to some sources, it was as high as nearly 20,000 Christians executed last year in 2018. 20,000. But you never hear it. And what's happening in our country today is we're trying to wash it out completely. And all that is necessary for the advancement of evil is that good men do nothing. That we sit back and we idly let it happen. I heard a gentleman speak recently, and he was a representative of the California Republican Party. And I'm not talking, if you're a Republican or Democrat or Independent, I don't really care right now. Okay, it doesn't, that's not my point. But he told me this. He said, in studies and analytics that they have done nationwide, he said several things stand out about recent national elections, particularly going back to 2016 when Trump was elected. He said, greater than one-third of those who declare themselves to be evangelical or believe in God or express some faith in the Bible, more than one-third, almost 40% of them never even vote. Almost 40% of them never even vote. Of those who do vote, who claim to be evangelicals, over one-third of them voted Democratic. And I'm not picking on you for voting Democratic, but I will tell you, you ought to vote pro-life. If nothing else matters to you, you know where God stands on, on abortion. You, just, you know that. And I, I realize that this message probably is maybe a little too politically incorrect, but I'm just wanting to be biblically correct. Because I, I'm not going to answer to anybody except the Lord one day anyway. I'm not trying to pick or be mean or unkind. Don't misunderstand me. But I also don't want to be a guy who stands in the pulpit, who stands before God one day, who is afraid to say something. You follow me? And so this man said this from studies that they took, and they started in California going back many years ago, and they spread it across the entire country, and he made this statement to me. He said, our discovery is this, that if everyone who proclaims to be an evangelical Christian voted not Republican, but voted in concord with this, okay, if everyone who declares to be a child of God, a Christian, evangelical, if everyone in America who boasts that voted in, in concert with the Word of God, Republicans would hold every national office, every single one of them. They would own every state house in this country. What has happened is that people have stood back 
because we want a Christianity. We want a faith that is suitable. And it's never suitable to swim upstream. I'm not talking about being angry, mean, or unkind. I'm not for that at all. I don't believe the Lord was. I believe when the rich young ruler came to him and left, went away sorry because he had great possessions, I believe that Jesus Christ sorrowed more than the rich young ruler did. I don't believe he espoused hatred. I don't believe he vilified his opponents. Now, he did put them in the place, and he wasn't afraid to throw the money changers out of the temple. But he also was love, is love, the Bible tells us. And this isn't a campaign. We're not passing out cards for you to sign up and make sure you're registered to vote. I'm not doing that. I'm simply saying God's people ought to realize that sometimes the biggest giants that we're ever going to face in this life is one of the ones that confronts us every day of our life, and that is looking for a faith that just suits me. It's drafting and shaping and molding a God that is comfortable with my life. It is, it is bringing him in in such a way. Uh, 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 listen, and I'm not picking on millennials, but it's, it's sobering to me. I read an article two weeks ago where 70% of people who profess to be born again but also describe themselves as millennials have no problem with abortion, have no problem with same-sex marriage. You say, are you picking on those things? No, I'm just saying, I, listen, it doesn't matter whether I have a problem or not. If God has a problem then God has a problem with it. He doesn't have a problem with those people, but he has a problem with sin. And many times in our life, you you say, Pastor, you're being awfully hard. You're being awfully mean. Listen, what do you think it's going to be like when we stand before God? You think it's going to be a parlor? We're going to walk in there and there's going to be donuts and coffee? And if you want tea, it's over on this side? You're next to stand before God? The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. When Jonathan Edwards preached the most famous sermon that was ever preached aside from the Word of God, he talked about those who rejected God hanging by a mere spider's web over into hell. And they said, historians said that people ran to the altar fearful they would die in the service without having the opportunity to get saved before an invitation was given. In our culture today, how comfortable is your chairs? How nice is your music? Well, they got great coffee. Well, they got great donuts. They get Panera. How'd you score that? That's good. And we kind of check all those boxes, and I'm for that. I'm not against those things. Don't misunderstand me. But I worry about, listen, I'm not talking about your giant. I'm talking about my giant. I'm talking about the guys that I face. And and if the first one wasn't you, it's been me. And if this one is not you, I'm going to tell you this, it's been me. And that is suitable situations. Man, I like things easy. I don't have to get up to go to the fridge. I want my girls to go. That's why we had them. I want it easy. And that's how we live our lives. And they rarely get up, by the way, anymore. I'm preaching to you both right now. You know it. You need to hit the altar. Dad, you're up already. 
<laughs> what about our faith? Are we just looking for something that suits me? I, I said it before, and I really, I, I don't want you to not enjoy church because I do believe it's a time when we come to remember and we come to worship. And I, I don't ever want to remove that from church because I think it's a key component. But I don't want to fit in so well that my sin is not confronted. I, 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 it's one of the things that makes me worrisome about even in Christian cultures today where we say, look, just come as you are and leave the same. Then they don't say leave the same, but that's often what happens. And I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just saying, sometimes Christianity is just not very suitable for this world. The Bible, you read in the book of Hebrews and you find about a group of Christians who, who hid in caves, who the world despised, who were sawn asunder. We, we, we read of people who for the, just for copying the Scriptures were burned at the stake. We, we, we see today in other parts of the world where people who are given an opportunity to recant and denounce the Lord Jesus Christ refuse and are executed on the spot. But not here. And so our Christianity is just suitable situations. I kind of like it that way. I want to have to change I don't want to have to conform. I want God, as much as He can, to be good with me. I'd never say it to Him, but I would really like it if He would just be okay with me. And that's not what God says. That's not how faith works. God doesn't say, be as you want to be. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. In other words, we ought to be peculiar. We ought to be different. We ought to be, you know what? The world ought to think you and me, because of our faith demonstrated by our life, to be a bit odd. Now, some of you have that covered very well. And I'm not talking about going out here and being weird. But I'm talking about being confident in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grateful for what He's done for you. And recognizing that giant of simulated spirituality. And then those giants of suitable situations. I was on the mission field some years ago, and a missionary came, and he brought me something. It's in my office today, and it it was made out of a local wood in the Philippines. And uh, I was so I was so humbled, and I, I it's a it's a pin holder, and I don't use those type of pins necessarily, but it's in my office. If you ever want to see it, you're welcome to see it. I've, I've kept it there as a reminder. He traveled on a mule for three days to bring that to me, 
to come to hear me, and not just me. I, in fact, I wasn't a keynote at all. I was a flat note. But he came to hear me and several other preachers at a conference and with tears rejoicing that he was able to make it. And then when he left, he rode his mule three days to get back home to his village where he could share the gospel. And he said to me, and I didn't speak the, the Tagalog, but, but he said to me through an interpreter, I want to be better for my people because of what I've heard here. Then I got on my plane and flew back to L.A. and enjoyed four meals on the flight. Well, I didn't enjoy any of them, but there were four served. And I came back, and I got in my air-conditioned car and drove and set my air-conditioned home and turned on my 55-inch TV and watched the shows I had missed while I was gone. And got up and got something out of the fridge and popped a bag of popcorn in the microwave and thought, this is my kind of Christianity. It's very suitable to me. But let me ask you this. Does it suit him? I'm preaching to me today. Me today. How's your faith? Is it real? Is it in the right place? And are we living the right way? Are we just trying to have suitable situations? Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If God's spoken to your heart this morning, please come. You're, you're welcome to come. You don't even have to wait till the first note is struck. My secret giants that I face are there often. And they'll show up tomorrow. They'll be there this week. And I know I need to nail them. Maybe that's why he had five stones, one for Goliath and then four for those other ones that nobody even knew about. Who are your giants today? Maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. I'd pray you would. Maybe you're here this morning and God spoke to you about something very specific in your life. Would you make that right today? As a piano plays softly. Several folks at the altar and you're welcome to pray. You're welcome to pray there at your seat. But let's not, ha- let's not look for and seek for a faith that fits me. Let's be molded and conformed to a faith that fits Him. Have thine own way. Oh, I thank you so much. You may look this way. Well, I didn't do my 15 minutes. But you listen very well. Thank you.
or you pray, pray that the Lord would help me to get some of those giants out of my life and I won't have so many more to speak to you about. I want us to be better. I want our faith to grow. I want our one thing in this life, whatever it is this year, I want us to be able to wrestle with it and be victorious.